Steve Red is actually one of my favorite psalms, and I haven't preached on it yet. I would love to preach on it at some point. But the, the psalm we're going to be looking at this evening is, is Psalm 117. Psalm 117. And we'll take time to read the entire psalm. If I can find it. Psalm 117. And this is going to be our, our text for this evening. Psalm 117. And this is, this is the word of God. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I know Steve has just prayed for me, but I'll just pray again and just ask for the Lord's help. So let's just pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you that we have it, that we can study it. Father, we're, we're so blessed. Mm. And Father, as, as we gather here this evening to, to worship you, to praise you, and to look at your word together, Father, we pray for this time now that we will spend looking at your word, that, that you would help me, Father, and that you help those of us who listen, that you'll speak to each one of us, Father, that you'll give me the words to say, and Father, that, that you would give those of us who listen understanding. And Father, we pray that, that you will be glorified this evening as, as your word is preached. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And so as you can, you can probably gather by, by looking at the psalm, this, this psalm, Psalm 117, is the, the shortest psalm in the book of Psalms. It's also the shortest chapter in the Bible, if you count a psalm as a chapter. This is the shortest chapter in the Bible, just, just two verses. And yet, although this is a, 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 the shortest chapter in the Bible, the shortest of all the psalms, it touches upon some of the greatest themes that... that, that that, that any psalm or any chapter in the Word of God can touch upon. It touches upon the worship of, of the eternal God of, of heaven. This psalm commands people to do the, the greatest thing that a person can do. It says, praise the Lord. Throughout Scripture, Colossians 1 in particular, and many other places, we're told that the, that the reason we were created, it says in Colossians 1, that we were created through Christ and for him. We were created for Christ. It says in other places that, 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 that ultimately we are made for the glory of God. We are made to bring him glory and honor. And, and one of the ways that we glorify him is through worship and through praise. And so one of the greatest activities that, that any human being can do is to praise God, is to, to worship him. And in this psalm, we, we, we have instructions on, on how to do it and why to do it. In this psalm, we're told who alone is to be worshipped. We're told who he, he is to be worshipped by. And we are told why he is to be worshipped. We could put it another way. In this psalm, we see who is to receive worship. We see who is to respond in worship. And we see the, the reasons for worship. And this psalm, as small as it is, it answers important questions 
as I've already said about the greatest activity that you and I can, can ever do, that you and I can e ever participate in. The Shorter Catechism, which I don't know if you're familiar with it, I'm sure some of us are, the Shorter Catechism, it begins with a question. And the question is, what is the chief end of man? And the reply is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And one of the ways that we glorify God and enjoy him is through, through worship and, and praise. And as we, as, as, as we go through this psalm, as we're going to look at it this evening, we, we find out some very important truths about, about this activity. And as, as, as I've already gone over, and I'm, I'm really emphasizing the point, show you the importance of it, our, the purpose of our existence is to, to glorify, to worship God. And so it's important that we do it properly. It's important that we know who we are to worship, who is to be worshipped by, and why we are to worship. And it's this, these questions are answered by this psalm. And so as we go through this psalm together this evening, for the remainder of our time, we're going to look at it under four headings. Four headings. And the first one is very simple. It's a first, the first phrase, praise the Lord. And, and under this first heading, we learn who it is who is to receive our worship. Who is it who is to be praised? And in this first verse of this psalm, we learn that true worship is exclusive. True worship is exclusive. It is to be directed to the true God, and it is only to be directed to the true God. True worship is exclusive. Look at how the psalm begins. It says, praise the Lord. And here we, we have a simple command telling us what we must do. We must praise the Lord. Now, if, if you look at your translation, most translations have the, 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 the word Lord there in capital letters, capital L-O-R-D. Now, the reason why that's in capital letters is because the translators are trying to tell you that the, the word behind that capitalized word Lord is God's name Yahweh, or in some translations, it's translated Jehovah. That's what that's what the, the capital letters are for. It's telling us that the name here is Yahweh. And in this psalm, we're told that Yahweh is to be praised, that he alone is to receive worship. This name, Yahweh, was first revealed by God to Moses. You can read about it in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, when God appeared to him in the burning bush. And Moses said, well, what shall I tell the people? Who shall I say has sent me? What's your name? And this is what God says. He says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And that's, that's where this name comes from. And this, is this, this name reveals that God is the ever-present, all-sufficient God. This is what this, this name reveals about God. And this is the same God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the, 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 the triune God, the creator of everything, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. This is who is being referred to here in this psalm. Yahweh, God Almighty. The one who in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. The one who has revealed himself to us through creation. He's revealed himself to us through the Bible. And he's revealed himself to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the God who is to be praised. This is the God who the psalm calls us to worship. Praise the Lord. And from this, we see that, that this call is exclusive. That means that it is only him who is to be praised and worshipped. Yahweh, Jehovah, no one else. 
And as you can see from this psalm, this psalm is, is no friend of the interfaith movement, which says that, 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 that all, gods wor all religions worship the same God and many ways lead to God. This psalm says no. We're to worship Yahweh alone, the true God, the only God, not, not Hindu gods or Greek gods or the Egyptian gods or the Muslim God, but Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. True worship is exclusive. It's exclusive. Praise the Lord. This is what the psalm is telling us to do. God alone is to be worshipped. And this is one reason why, as Christians, we, we must never compromise with, with the interfaith movement, if you want to call it that, or with other religions and saying, well, we all just... We all worship the same God anyway. No, we're called to worship Yahweh and Him alone. It's, it is only Him who is to receive our worship. And it's important that we maintain this very strongly in our culture that, that, it, that, it, that is, is very, in many places, multicultural. And in our culture that, that says, well, you've got to be, be politically correct. And, well, you can't say that, that they're worshipping a false God or, 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 or that yours is the only true God. Well, the psalm says... We're to praise the Lord. We're to praise Yahweh. And as Christians, we must hold this very firmly, even if it offends people. But yet, even as Christians, we can be guilty of, of worshipping things other than the true God. It's a simple fact that anything that you place before God, that you, that you think more about, or that you give more importance to, anything you place before God is an idol. And we're told here to praise the Lord, to worship Yahweh. And even as Christians, we can be guilty of, of things like that, of, of making things idols. And we must not, not do that. We're to praise the Lord alone. Another important application is if we're to praise the true God, Yahweh, then we must make sure that we have a true understanding of who he is. Sometimes people can be, can be guilty of, of worshipping a God of their own imagination, a God that, that they like, one that they can fit into the way that they want things to be, instead of worshipping the God who's revealed himself to us in the scriptures. And, and as Christians, we must guard against these things and make sure that we are worshipping the true and living God, Yahweh, as he has revealed himself to us in the Bible. Yahweh must be worshipped. He alone is God. True worship is exclusive. The psalm says very simply, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And yet the psalmist, he teaches us that, that true worship is exclusive. We're only to praise God. And yet he also teaches us that true worship is inclusive. It's inclusive. Now before you think you've just contradicted yourself there, we see that it's exclusive in one way. God alone is to be worshipped, but it's inclusive in another. And this is the second heading that we're going to look at. It says, praise the Lord, all nations. Praise the Lord, all nations. Nations. True worship is exclusive in one way. We're to worship the true God alone. But it's also inclusive. All nations are to praise him. He is to be praised by everyone. Look at what the, the verse says. It says, praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. This call to worship the living God, this call to worship Yahweh, excuse me, is given to every living person. All nations and all peoples. And here in this psalm, we, we catch a glimpse of, of God's purpose for the world. This kind of thinking would have been quite, well, controversial 
especially in Jesus' day, calling the Gentiles to worship the God of Israel. But here we see in the Psalms that, that, that even from the beginning, God had a purpose for, for the whole world, that, that, that the whole world would worship him. And here we catch a glimpse of God's purpose for that. Yes, God made a promise to Abraham, didn't he, and to his offspring. But the outcome would be that, that all the nations would be blessed. And this psalm gives us a, a glimpse of that. Here we, 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 we see God's purpose for the world, that all the nations and all the peoples would, would worship him. And ultimately, we find this purpose fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm because it's through Jesus Christ that all people can come and that all the Gentiles and all the nations and all the peoples can come and they can praise Yahweh because of what Jesus Christ has done. Because of his death and his resurrection, he's, he's opened the way so that we who are sitting here today in England, we're not Jews, but yet we can worship Yahweh we, we are part of the fulfillment of this psalm because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The reason that every nation and people can come is because Jesus Christ has come not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for the non-Jews. And we can rejoice in that wonderful truth. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in Romans 15 verse 11, he actually quotes this psalm. And he quotes this psalm to show that Jesus did not come only for the Jewish people, but also for the the non-Jewish people, and he uses this psalm to prove that point, that Christ came for the Gentiles and not just for the Jews. So it, Paul says so that the Gentiles might glorify his mercy. And so the Gentiles, people like us, non-Jews, becoming part of the people of God, it's not only a New Testament teaching. We find it here in the Old Testament, foreshadowed here in, in this psalm. And I've already said it must be emphasized. All people can come but it must be strongly emphasized that they can only come if they come through Jesus. Here we're called, all nations are called to worship the Lord, to worship Yahweh. The only way that people can come is if they come through Jesus Christ. And I just want to pause this evening and I just want to ask, have you come to God through Jesus Christ? Can it be said that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That those, those hymns that we've been singing about the death of Christ, dying for our sin on the cross, and God's amazing love and his amazing grace, can it be said that, that you are, are wholly trusting on Jesus' name, as, as the final hymn said? Because it's only through Jesus that, that we can come and, and worship Yahweh. But here in this psalm, Psalm 117 particularly in, in the first verse, we have an anticipation of what would happen through the finished work of Jesus. Here we have like a glimpse, a foreshadow of what God was going to do through Jesus. And then if you go to the end of the Bible, don't turn there now, I'll read it to you. Otherwise we'll spend five minutes trying to find it. But if you go to Revelation, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, we see the fulfillment of this. And this is, this is what we read. It says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So here we, 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 we have a foreshadow of what God will do through Jesus, God's purpose for the nations and for the Gentiles. And here in Revelation 7, we see it fulfilled with all peoples from all tribes and tongues, 
gathered around the throne and worshipping the God who sits on the throne and, and the Lamb. And knowing this, it becomes obvious this evening that, that as Christians, world missions are important. If God's purpose for the nations is that they would worship him, and if they can only worship if they come through Jesus Christ, well, it's, it's obvious this evening, isn't it, that world missions, taking the gospel to the nations, well, that's important. Taking the, the gospel to the unreached people groups, that's, that's important. Through the gospel, all nations can come and worship the Lord. They can fulfill this song. But the obvious, the obvious point is, how can they come unless we as the church ensure that the, the gospel is taken to them? Jesus said, he, he sent his disciples with the commission, didn't he? He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The reason being was because they were created to worship God. Worship Yahweh. And the only way they can come and worship Yahweh is if they come through Christ. And the only way they can come through Jesus Christ is if we take the gospel to them. I don't know if Romans 10 has just come to your mind. They're the words that, 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 that come to my mind. Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent. And so the question that faces us this evening as God's people is what are we doing to ensure that, the, that the, the call of this psalm for all the nations to worship the Lord, what are we doing to see that this is fulfilled? What are you doing? What are you doing personally to see that this call for the nations to worship Yahweh is fulfilled? To see that the gospel is taken to the unreached people groups God's purpose for the nations is, is that they will praise him the nations can only praise him if they're brought into a relationship with him through Jesus and the only way that can happen is if Christ is preached among them now we're not all called to go to the nations if we all went then who would be here on Sunday morning we're not all called to go that's that's true but we're all called to do something we're all called to do something we're called to pray we're called to support those who have gone And I'm sure that, that, that we long that the nations would, would praise the Lord as it says in this psalm. But the, the challenging question is, what are you doing to see that longing fulfilled? What are you doing? What am I doing? A few practical points. What could you do? Well, you could get a regular prayer update from some sort of mission organisation. You can get a prayer diary. They'll send them to you willingly happily gladly and you can pray for 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 what's going on on the mission field that's important you can get a prayer diary you can order one off the internet on their website and you can pray that's the first thing you can do and we we, we should all be praying for a missionary or some missionaries we should all every single christian should be praying for missionaries regularly what else can we do well you can give regularly to a missionary society. It costs around £2.50 for a coffee in Costa. You'll know if you come to the carol service. <laughs> roughly, about, around, roughly around £2.50 for a, a coffee in Costa. Now, if you sacrificed one coffee a, a month, a, a week, 
One coffee a week, that's £10 a month. That's not much money really, is it? If you gave £10 a month every month for five years, that's £600. If you gave that to missions, it wouldn't, it, you wouldn't even realise it was gone. What's a coffee? But that £600 gone to foreign missions, gone to seeing that the gospel goes to people in our world who have never heard it. And unless they hear it, they're going to die in their sin, never hearing the gospel. A coffee from Costa. We can all be doing something to support world missions. And so the, the first verse says, praise the Lord, all nations. True worship is exclusive. Only Yahweh is to be praised. The God of heaven. The creator. Only he is to be praised. But true worship is also inclusive. He is to be praised by everyone, by all nations. And the reason they can do this is because of what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. In the next verse of our psalm, we have two reasons why. Why? Why should the nations praise Yahweh? All nations should praise him. Why should they praise him? And, and our next heading, our third heading, is praise the Lord for his love. Praise the Lord for his love. And this is the first reason given by the psalmist. Look with me there at verse 2. It says, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. That's the New King James or the ESV here. It says, for great is his steadfast love toward us. Great is his steadfast love toward us. Now the word there, we've, in, in our translations, in the, in the New King James, it's merciful kindness, two words. In the ESV, it's another two words, steadfast love. In, in the original Hebrew there, it's one word that we take, two words to translate. It's a very strong word, and it has to do with God's covenant loyalty. And it's saying that the ESV translates it well with steadfast love. God's love for his people is steadfast. He is loyal to his covenant. He, he will not forsake his people. He will not one day decide that, that he's had enough. God is loyal to keep his promises to his covenant. He keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises. And this psalmist emphasizes this point by saying, and great is his steadfast love toward us. Or in some translations it says, and it is mighty towards us. This psalmist is really trying to communicate the love of God for his people. His steadfast love toward us. Now the us in this verse, probably in the original context, maybe the us was referring to those, the Israelites who were saved from Egypt. When, when, when God took them out of Egypt during the Exodus. And that explains why this psalm is often sung during the Passover as a celebration to remember what, what God did for his people then. But, but on top of that, and more than that, and greater than that, when we look at the Bible as a whole, we see that, that, that this verse has, has a greater meaning. And this verse must refer to God's steadfast love that he has shown to all nations and all peoples in and through Jesus Christ. Great is his steadfast love towards us. And that's one reason why the nations should praise him. And as Christians, we know the steadfast love of God, don't we? We know it. All those times when, when, when we've failed God and he forgives us. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. He is loyal to his covenant. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
He has said, I will, he has said, my sheep shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He holds on to his promises. He keeps them. He is loyal. His love is steadfast. And as Christians, we, we know this. And for this reason, we must praise him and, and we must worship him. And I know we do. That's why we're here this evening. We are worshipping him. We should worship him more. And we should long and we should pray that God will give us a greater love and a greater desire to worship. I think when we get to heaven, and if we will remember, I don't think we will. I'm kind of making this up on the spot as I'm going along. But when we get to heaven, I'm sure that when we think back to our worshipping on a Sunday, compared with our worshipping then, when we see God in all his splendour and all his glory, when we have a full revelation of who he is, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll, be, we'll be surprised at the difference between our worship in heaven and, and our worship now. We can always worship God more and with a greater love and with a greater gratitude. And this is something we must pray for. And this is something we must do. Why? Because great is his steadfast love towards us. Of course, praising isn't just singing songs on a Sunday. I'm sure we know that. Praise and, and worship is, is to do with how we live. We're to live lives of praise and worship. Every day our love for God should be increasing. The truth of God's steadfast love for us should encourage us to live lives of praise and, and worship for our God. His love is steadfast. Why should people praise Yahweh? Praise the Lord for his steadfast love, for his merciful kindness. But what's the second reason? Why else should people praise Yahweh? Why else should they praise the Lord? They should praise him for his faithfulness. And this is our final heading this evening. Praise him for his faithfulness. The psalmist continues there in verse 2. And it says, it says there, it says, For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. In the New King James it says, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. And here the psalmist is still on the topic of God's grace. But now he, he reinforces what, what he's just said. And, and what he's saying in this verse is that God keeps his word. God keeps his promises. God is faithful. His truth endures forever. God's faithfulness to his people is everlasting. And for this reason the psalmist is calling people to worship him to worship the, the Lord, to worship Yahweh, because he is faithful to keep his promises. One commentator put it like this. He said, God's plans and promises are as fresh and intact now as on the day they were made, and they will remain so. God is faithful. His truth endures forever. Now, the immediate context when this psalm was written, maybe it was speaking about God's promise to deliver his people from Egypt, which he kept, but there's a greater context, isn't there? And it's speaking about God's faithfulness that, that he shows to people through Jesus Christ. Because God is faithful, because his truth endures forever, we can trust him that he will keep us from stumbling. He will keep us to the end. He will present us faultless before the throne with exceeding joy. As it says there in, in I forgot, Jude, the end of Jude, the benediction there. We, we know that, that, that God will keep his promises. And for this we should praise him for his faithfulness. 
for his truth endures forever. This is what Numbers 23 verse 19 says about God. It says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And how grateful we should be as God's people and how we should worship and praise our God that his faithfulness endures forever. God will not suddenly one day decide, I've had enough of you. I've had enough of you. There's no more mercy for you. That's not what God will say to his people. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is everlasting. And what greater reason could we have to praise God than this? Praise the Lord. And as I've always said, in light of this great truth, our lives should be marked by praise and, and worship. It says, the Apostle Paul writes, he writes, whether we eat or whether we drink, whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. Whether we eat or whether we drink, whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. Why? Because of his steadfast love. Great is his steadfast love toward us and his merciful kindness and his truth, his faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. So from this small psalm, we learn great truths about the greatest activity that any person can ever do. Praising the Lord. We learn who it is to be praised, who is to receive worship, and we learn that it's God alone. It's Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means we are to worship him alone, and we are to call others to do the same. We learn who is to praise him, who is to respond in worship. Everyone, every nation, all people, all tribes, all tongues, all can come if they come through Christ. For this reason, we must be interested in missions, in making sure that the gospel goes to these people, so that this psalm, the call of this psalm, can be fulfilled. And we learn why, why he is to be praised. The reason people are to worship him and it's because of his steadfast love and his truth that endures forever and that means that we can trust him in our lives we can trust him whatever we face we can trust God because of his steadfast love and his faithfulness and because of this we should live lives that glorify him that bring him honor and praise all things change people change we change the weather changes, everything changes, but God never changes. This psalm says his faithfulness endures forever. And then the psalm finishes with a final exhortation, with a final call, a final command, and it says, praise the Lord. It's, it explains all of that, and then it says, finally, praise the Lord. And now the underlying Hebrew there is a phrase that we all know. We all know a little bit of Hebrew. The, the, the phrase that's, that's underlying that phrase in the Hebrew is, 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 the, is two words, but we say it as one word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this should be a, the banner that's written across our lives as Christians. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just going to have a word of prayer, and then we will just pass back over to, to Steve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your steadfast love. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness that endures forever. 
Father, we thank you that, that you are God and beside you there is none other. And we thank you, Father, that, that we can worship you all because of what Christ has done. And Father, we thank you that all nations can worship. And because of that, we can worship. And we thank you that you've made this possible because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in his resurrection. And because of him, we're accepted in the beloved. Father, we thank you for this psalm. And even though it's short, it, it contains wonderful truths. Father, we pray that you will help us to live lives that are marked with praise and worship. Father, that even when we suffer, that, 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 that we will worship you and praise you and glorify you. Father, help us in our lives each day to bring glory and honour to you. And Father, as we've had the challenge of, of, of doing something for world missions, I pray, Father, that every one of your children in this room will do something to see that the gospel is taken to the unreached people groups. Pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.